0: Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. All right, as we get ready to dive into the scripture today, uh, there's going to be some folks who are passing some offering baskets, I think, I trust, I hope, uh, that make that possible. Sydney, appreciate you. Can we have a few other folks help Sydney out and we'll pass those around and Mike, could you help me bring a chair or two up? I'm looking at my buckets, and I think, Karen, can I take that? Oh, you take this one. Pardon me, Lawrence. And I just want to elevate my buckets a little bit so that the folks in the back will have a better chance of being able to see what's going on when we get there. Great. Let's put this one right here. And one more just going to scooch it right over here. There we go. Thanks. That will work. Really, it's not my goal just to create a sense of anticipation. I just want to have that set up so we can get started. Um, we have begun a series in the book of 1 Peter, Uh, Last week, we had a treat when we read through the entire letter in one sitting, which for those of us who were here was an experience. I want to say thanks again to the nine folks who helped us read through. And as we begin this morning, we're going to take a deep breath. As we begin this morning, we get to dive in now in more detail. We're going to be in chapter one. As we do, I want to draw your attention to these three repetitive themes that we saw Peter had through the whole book. One is that our life is lived with God in God. Our life is in Christ. Our life is not over here and God somehow over here. They're not even just bumping up against each other. Instead, the life that Peter describes for us is saturated with lived in and with God. Secondly, he highlights that the life that we're living in the world is a life that we're living as signposts, pointing and directing and saying, look at the Lord through somehow our own lives, even in the midst of difficulties that we go through. And thirdly, he's assuring us that there's a coming glory, that things may be difficult today, but there's glory that's on its way. And today's troubles are the prelude to tomorrow's glory and so let's begin reading again in verse in chapter 1 verse 1 of 1 Peter but today we're just going to go through verse 9 here's what the word of the lord says peter an apostle of jesus christ to god's elect which is another way of saying chosen ones exiles aliens strangers who are scattered throughout Now, we list a bunch of provinces. We gave that reading to Larry last week, just so he'd be the one who had to go through these names. Of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who've been what? Chosen by, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled in his blood. See this about the God that Peter's talking about. God has revealed himself as three in one. That's what Brian meant when he said, because our God is triune. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we see here that for Peter, we don't separate what God's joined together. And when he starts talking about who God is and what he's done and how God's worked in our life, he says that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are all essential, vital aspect of what God's called us to and how we live with and in God. And he says this, uh, the end of verse two, grace and peace be yours in abundance. That's the blessing of God this morning for us. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. And he continues in verse three, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, never spoil and never fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last times. And in all this, all of this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in many kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined in fire, that the proven genuineness of your faith may result in praise, honor, and glory when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. Who's he talking about? Jesus. So you haven't seen him. We haven't seen Jesus. Do you bump into him at the grocery store this week. We haven't laid eyes on Jesus. It says, you haven't seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Amen. I I wanna draw you, part of what we get to do when we study a book of the Bible is not just talk about verses, but help you practice good Bible reading. And one of the essential pieces of doing good Bible reading is paying attention to the tone and the style of the author and what he's saying. So I've got a quick question for you because what we want to do now is interpret what's Peter's tone as he's writing? What style of writing is he bringing here? Right? It's like this. If I turn on a Chicago sports station on a Monday morning in November, I can tell in 10 seconds, whether the Bears won or lost on Sunday, even if they're not talking about the game, because you'll hear it in this tone and how they're talking about things, right? And you can tell the difference in the literary style of a love song at a wedding or a scientific paper at a medical conference, can't you? You may not understand what one of them saying, but you can tell you're supposed to interpret it differently. And so here, let me evaluate this with me. What's Peter primarily trying to do? Is he trying to rebuke and correct his readers? No. Thank you, Julie. When we were reading this, you did not feel like you were getting corrected, smacked down, or rebuked, right? Well, let's ask the next question. Was Peter trying to present a very careful, systematic theological exposition? Not exactly, right? It's tempting because it's packed with theological revelation. But it's not organized as systematic instruction. He's not being teaching here. What's he doing instead? Did you sense that as you were listening? As, As he's writing, he's trying to breathe into us something of the very living hope that he's talking about. And his purpose in writing here, you can sense it right from the beginning. He's wanting to encourage believers who are going through a hard time. So just take it in. Let him do that for you. As you're reading this, make sure you connect with his purpose in writing it and make sure that since he's writing it to breathe encouragement by the spirit, that you take time to inhale that as you hear it. Let's take a look at what Peter says about who we are because the identity that he says we have can feel very different than the identity that we might think we have if we're just listening to, well, what society has to say about us. And he has these three things to say in verse two. Well, verses one and two here. He says that we're chosen. He says to God's elect, we're chosen, but at the very same time, we don't belong here. We are chosen strangers, We are elect exiles. Uh, If you will, we're selected strangers and elected exiles. And we are, in a sense, chosen aliens. That's who we are. We live here, but this here is not where our real homeland is. But who we are is because God has come to each of us and said, mine, mine, come on, come into my family. I'm taking you out of to bring you in to my family. And that is a precious reality. The Peter who's writing in a very blanket way to believers in Jesus Christ who are scattered throughout these various parts of the Roman empire. He's saying your identity does not come from whether you are or are not citizen of the Roman Empire. It doesn't come from whether you are or are not educated, whether you are or are not native to Pontus or Galatia, or whether your family came there for work, or whether you were forcibly relocated by a group of Roman soldiers. It says you were chosen by God. Your father in heaven picked you. And our identity comes from this. Now, that has consequences because he also says that we have been set apart for obedience to Jesus Christ and purification by his blood. He says that we've been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. Right? So we have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all at work here, making us his own. And the Holy Spirit has set us apart for a purpose. And when we think about the purpose, what's God's purpose for my life? What am I living for? Where am I going? Peter boils it down. He makes it super simple, guys. Says it's, it's for this. God made you. He chose you. He selected you for this, to obey Jesus Christ. We have a different king than all the kingdoms of this world. And our allegiance is to Jesus Christ. This means that in my life ambitions, what I'm hoping to do, Jesus is not secondary. He's got to be primary. He's got to be first. It's not a question of as I'm pursuing my career path, I'll I'll work Jesus into this somehow. No, it's as I'm obeying Jesus Christ, how do I obey Jesus Christ in my career? It's not as I figure out which home and neighborhood we'd feel most comfortable in living in, how do I bring Jesus Christ into that? It's as I serve and follow and obey Jesus Christ, how do I live in a neighborhood that is close to his heart so that I'm obeying his own directions and commands and desires? He's primary. When we search for, what am I here for? What am I trying to do? Where's my life going? Primary number one, obey Jesus Christ. Keep it simple, friends obey Jesus Christ. And this cleansing that he talks about, sprinkling by his blood, is a it's a word picture to describe God purifying us from all of our sin to make us acceptable to himself. It draws on a rich history from the Old Testament and it boils down to the simple reality. He's taken away our punishment. He's taken away all the uncleanness of sin that separates us from God. Listen, you and I, still face temptations every day to disobey Jesus and to walk in sin. But thank the Lord that if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, it still continues to purify us from all sin. Jesus' blood matters. And Peter's being very clear about this right at the beginning of this letter, that not only Jesus' teachings that we obey, but his blood that was shed on the cross and verified through his resurrection is what sets us apart, makes us holy, brings makes us clean and brings us to the Lord. So we have these, these two aspects of how God's brought us to himself and how he wants us to live, obeying Jesus Christ and in constant dependence on his cleansing blood. Are you seeing that? That's who we are. That's what he's got us here for. And so as we get to verse three, Peter starts to unpack well, what does living like this entail? What's it involved? How does God, having broken into our lives, having chosen us, made us his own, set us apart by his spirit, cleansed us by his blood, what implications does that have for us? What's that done in our lives? <clears throat> and the first thing we see is it's just saturated with jesus this There's nine verses here. Nine times during these verses, Peter's making a direct reference to Jesus Christ. Six times, he's five or six, no, he's eight times, sorry. Um, Over and over, there's at least five times that he calls out Jesus Christ by name and three times that he just says, him, him, him. That's where I asked you during the reading, who's he talking about? It's about Jesus. Peter's overflowing with encouragement about how Jesus Christ himself is enough, no matter what trial we're going through, no matter what we're facing in this life, that here and now it's it's all Jesus. Here it is. And we see as he does this, that there's elements of the past, the present, and the future. I'm going to scoop myself a little off center. I'm hoping that makes it easier for you guys to see my buckets. Can you see the buckets from the back? Dale, Sherry, you see those? Well, you're elevated, Brett. You have it easy. Uh, Right? And so let's take a look at what Peter says God's done. Right? He says, Praise be to the God and Father who's given us, God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, in his great, what? Mercy, he's given us. So here we have mercy. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. This has already happened. It is something that's already back there. So he's given us new birth into... A living hope. New birth into a living hope. Seeing it so far? God's mercy has given us new birth into a living hope. And into what? You can fill in the blanks. Into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an, good, we got it up here, into an inheritance as well. Guys, these are the big three anchors of what Peter's talking about. He says that God's mercy has given us new birth. And this has results. And the results that he's talking about are there is a living hope. And we live in this living hope. And into an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade, that is kept in heaven For you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that's ready to be revealed the last time. This we have here and now. This we're waiting for. Do you see that? Because God's given us this. Today we're living in this hope and we're waiting for this inheritance. You're with me here, yes? Well, Peter continues, right? Because he says, through faith, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation is to be revealed in the last time. And that, friends, is a parallelism that shows us, you can you still read this even though it's tipped? Great. Um, that the mercy has given us new birth into a living hope and an inheritance. And then he says that, through faith were shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation. This inheritance is the salvation that he's talking about. The inheritance is not a separate thing from the salvation. Salvation is inclusive of the inheritance. It is rich and full. And the hope that we have here now, it's not a well, gee, I I hope that the bears have a better season next year than they did this year, even though there's not a lot of reason for hope on that. Uh, Instead, it's the vibrancy of a living hope that is what Peter also says, this is faith. This is the confident assurance that the mercy of God that he's already shown through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ will sustain me today, will keep me until that day. Are we together? And road trip. All right, that's the framework. This is the framework that Peter's using for us to see and identify the then, the now, and the not yet of God's work in our life here. And he's filling it in. He's encouraging his readers and you and I about how it works out in our everyday lives Particularly here in the present, because Peter's goal is to use these to help us make sense out of here and now. Because one of the mysteries for us is how can it be that the chosen favored people of God experience difficulty and not just blessing in this life? How is it that the chosen favored people of God are not living as rulers? but are instead living as exiles and strangers. This idea of being chosen exiles is profound. And during the time that my family was living in Southern Africa, in Zambia, we experienced living in a place where we were called by God to seek the good of that place, and it was our home, but it's not our, it was not our homeland. We were not citizens of that place, even though it's where we were living, And our home was there, but it's not the home that's really, really home for us. That's how you and I are living on this planet, that we're living on earth as citizens of a different country. Where's this inheritance being kept, according to Paul? Sorry, Peter. According to Peter, he says it's kept somewhere. It's kept in heaven for you because our citizenship, our true homeland is not terra firma. It's the kingdom of God. And, and in this dynamic of living as exiles, Peter goes on to explain some of the dynamics of what's happening in the here and now, because he says, he's filling it in. He says that in this, in what? In the things we've seen so far, that we have, through God's mercy, received new birth into a living hope and into an inheritance, sorry, into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded until the coming of the salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last times. So this is a framework, he says, and in this you greatly rejoice. And so one of the characteristics of our lives here and now is joy. That's part of what God's given us through our faith, as part of the living hope we're living in. Because of his mercy in the past, it's brought us a new birth to the, our trust in his coming inheritance. We live today in joy. He says, you, you have that. You greatly rejoice. And I kind of wish he would have stopped right there. But he doesn't. He's a realist. He knows enough about life. He's had enough of his brothers and sisters put in prison for their faith. To also say, even though you've had to suffer, even though now you've suffered grief in all kinds of trials. Even though, (laughs) for now, you've had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Guys, this is how, this is where we're living right now isn't it? And, and he says about that, he says, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, these are the qualities of our lives here and now. It's that we're living by joy in the midst of grief and trials, which are purifying our faith. And that's all part of living in this living hope. This is all part of what it is to live by faith in this hope. This is mingled together for us here and now. And we all experience that. And it's a mystery. And we'd like to somehow be able to like turn these into some sort of flip side so that we have joy. Uh, then the next day it was kind of a bad day. And when there's grief, it feels like there's no joy. And when there's joy, there's no grief. But that's not the way Peter describes it. He says that the joy that God's given us, that the joy God's given us, it in a sense transcends and coexists in the midst of our grief and trials, just as our faith does. Our faith is not a faith that inoculates us and prevents grief and trials. Our faith in the mercy of God through new birth that's given us a living hope into an inheritance and a salvation, it's a sustaining faith through the midst of trials. It is, in a sense, it is, well, we're about to see, the most precious thing we have. Because he says the proven genuineness of your faith, right? these grief and trials have come so that your faith may be proved genuine so that purified faith may result in praise honor and glory when Jesus Christ is revealed brothers and sisters we're living today, for this day. Do you see that? Please do not let your faith only stop with today. By faith, we're living today for this day. And these griefs and trials that we go through in some measure of the joy of the Lord by faith— These are purifying this so that these result in the day that Jesus Christ is revealed. And here's what Peter has to say about it. He says that even though you do not see him, did you catch that? He says we're we're living by faith in Jesus. He says, and even though you don't see him, Faith has that challenge for us. We're trusting a presence that we can't put our hands around, that we can't tangibly get our hands on and lean in. It says, you haven't seen him. Look, that was their reality then. It's not unique to you and me. These are believers that are living within a few decades of Jesus' death and resurrection, and they've never met him. They're just like you and me. These are not Jewish believers from Jerusalem or Galilee who got to walk with Jesus, see his miracles. No, they're scattered in different parts of the Roman Empire. And just like you and I, they heard the good news of God's mercy, believe that Jesus is Lord, received new birth, the cleansing and sprinkling of his blood and are living by faith in a Lord and Savior that they can't see with their eyes. And yet Peter says this as well though you do not see him, you love him. Just love him. Love Jesus. When you don't know what to do, when things don't make sense, when you can't see him, just love him. You haven't seen him, but you love him. And that love is a fountain of joy. And you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. It says there is a day coming, brothers and sisters. There's a day coming when we will see him face to face. In this day, every eye will see him. And you and I, even where here and now today, it feels like all the things of heaven. We're trying to look at them through one of these kind of windows where it's just all, you know, fuzzy. You can't really see what's on the other side. You just see that there's some light coming our way. There's going to be a day when we see Jesus face to face, and we're living today for that day. We're living today by faith that's being purified for trials to result in praise, glory, honor in the day that Jesus Christ is revealed and he himself is the great hope of our hearts and our lives. It's our Jesus being chosen by the Father and set apart by the Spirit. He's making us like his Son, Jesus Christ. And this End result of our faith. Whoop, end result of our faith that we've been believing and laboring towards. Friends, it's the salvation he's talking about. But if you look at that last bit of the verse in verse nine, he says, today, here and now, today, here and now, you are, you rejoice, even though for a little while you've had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials these have come so that your faith which is of greater worth than gold may be proved genuine and result in praise honor and glory in the day that Jesus Christ is revealed and he says that even though we don't see him we love him he says you are receiving the goal of your faith the salvation of your souls and what faith is doing. Part of what the trials do is it brings that day into today for us. It gives us the foretaste of what we'll fully inherit in that day. And we are receiving. It's back to present tense. It's not any longer you will receive. It's not kept in heaven until. It's what's kept in heaven is coming into today as we live in the joy of the Lord through grief and trials by faith. And we love Jesus in the midst of it. Are you hearing that? And my urging for you this morning is that your faith is of greater worth than gold. It's the most precious thing you have. If you think about all the things you've got, all your stuff, you would surely say, oh, it's far too shallow for me just to think that my house, my car, my IRA, my retirement account, that's my most valuable thing. You'd probably want to go up a step and say, Well, it's my family, it's my kids, it's my relationships. Those are the things that really make me rich. No, you're still selling it too short. The most valuable thing you have, it's your trust and relationship with Jesus Christ. This is it, guys. The most precious thing you can have of greater worth than gold, which still perishes even after it's purified. There is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that you can experience today where you love him And it will last and bring praise, glory, and honor forever and ever. Do not sell that out in the pawn shop of this world's pleasures and temptations to get a short-term satisfaction or gain. Don't trade the most precious thing you have, your faith and your relationship with Jesus, for getting ahead a little bit here and now. No, Peter's encouragement and urging to you and to me this morning is don't let these cause you to give up this because these are actually improving this. So draw with hope and joy on the faith that you've gotten through the mercy and new birth of God because the faith that he's giving you in Jesus Christ is bringing this very salvation from that day until today. Into today, excuse me. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, thank you for being our living hope. Thank you that hope for us is not abstract. It's not some principles or idea out there somewhere. It's yourself, Lord. So Jesus, we proclaim this morning, you're our risen, eternally living hope that can never perish, spoil, or fade away because you're on your throne in heaven. Lord, forgive us for the times and the ways that we end up just fixating so much more on what we can get here and now and not deepening our relationship in you. Lord, this morning we repent of prizing and valuing so many other short-term things over knowing you deeper and trusting you more. Lord, thank you that the challenges and the suffering and the struggles we have can really bring us closer to you. God, help us cooperate with your spirit in that process. In Jesus' name, amen.